Thanks for joining us and supporting Vicky Doe Fitness. We ask for your continued support by becoming an It's All About Health and Fitness premium member. Go to www.vickydofitness.com forward slash join. Again, that's www.vickydofitness.com forward slash join and register for a $6 monthly subscription. And remember, keep listening, sharing, and checking us out. The views and opinions expressed are for general informational purposes only. Consult with your physician or medical health care provider for medical advice, diagnosis, and or treatment. Today, we talk about research articles and hot topics. Our topic today is what's new? Hot topics number 56. The protest Black Lives Matters is still going strong. What is the future of group classes? 112 people were infected a few months back with the COVID-19 virus in South Korea because of the Zumba classes. What are the new guidelines on face masks? All this and more on It's All About Health and Fitness. Welcome to It's All About Health and Fitness with Dr. Vicki Hayward-Doe and Dr. Virginia Banks-Bright. This program is brought to you by Vicki Doe Fitness, a multimedia health and wellness forum. Now, here's your host, Vicki Doe and D. Banks-Bright. I'm Dr. Vicki Hayward-Doe, and with me is the one and only Dr. Virginia D. Banks-Bright. Hello, Vicki. How are you? Hello, hello, hello. <laughs> I am fine. And how have you been this hot week? This is a hot week. You know, um, good. I'm happy. To, I'm not going to complain at all about any hot weather because we know in Northeast Ohio it will be short-lived. So bring it on. Bring it on, right? <laughs> bring it on. Yes. Yes, yes. So I'm enjoying it, too. Today... We're here, we're doing our social distancing again, and Dee is away but calling in to the show, and so we are excited. Absolutely, yes. Well, today we talk about hot topics and research articles that we think are worth looking at and talking about. And our topic today is, what's new? Hot topics number 56. Now, this is a stressful time for all of us, most especially for our black folk out there with all the stuff that's going on. And so we are here, as we say here at Vicky Doe Fitness, that when the stress is high, we double down on self-love and self-care. And so that means to double down on your antioxidants, your fruits and your vegetables, reduce the refined sugary the sugary food and snacks, drink plenty of water, and move, move, move. And I found that just walking in nature and the park can do wonders um, for your spirit. And as we say, like Dee said earlier, it's summertime. It's summertime here in Northeast Ohio. So we can't yeah. miss the chance, right? We cannot miss the chance to enjoy nope. this warm weather and nice days as much as we can and as safely as we can. Because before you know it, it will definitely be snow and ice again. <laughs> oh my goodness, yes. So yeah, let's take a deep breath and live life to the fullest today. And so I want to encourage all of you to make sure that you subscribe to this podcast show. It's all about health and fitness. Vicky Doe Fitness on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and any other place that you listen to your podcast. And you will be notified when we post new podcasts. You will be the first to know. And yes, we are back. We took a quarantine break from taping shows yeah. amidst the, the pandemic. But we are back. Yeah. We are back and we are scheduling great guests to join us in talking about important topics and concerns that affect our health and well-being and our communities. So make sure, guys, that you subscribe to this show. And make sure that you go check out our website, 
www.vickidofitness.com and sign up for our newsletter email list to see all of the updates and changes that we are doing. We have transitioned our programs to be conducted online. And so right now we have launched our step-by-step weight loss boot camp masterclass program. And so we will be hosting health wellness webinars, workshops, and quite a few of the Vicky Doe Fitness open house so that you can see what we are doing on our website and our online services. So sign up and find out information about our online training programs on www.vickidofitness.com forward slash training. I can't wait to introduce to you all of our great programs. So go check it out. Right, D. Right. <laughs> and as always, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for your support, everyone. Yes, thank you for your support. And it's very interesting that even though we took a little break from taping, we're getting so many downloads from all over the world for this show. Oh, wow. One day I have to bring and just give a shout out to these different places here in the States and to the different countries like London, Australia. I mean, it's, it's very interesting. Oh, wow. Yes, we definitely appreciate everyone's support in listening to our podcast show. Well, Dee, it's summertime and I have my flowers. You know how I have to have I'm all my not- flowers planted. Did you see that yet? <laughs> I have not seen that yet. I am jealous. Good for you. Yeah, well, yeah, we got them planted. Except the deers, you know. I have not. I have not seen them. I did do have a little bit of landscaping done. I had some mulch put around, and then I bought these rocks, which I think I paid way more for them than they're worth. But I have rocks now all around my plant bed. Okay. Which hopefully will not have to ever be replaced. I'm not sure if I really like it better than mulch, but at least with the rocks, I don't have to replace them now. We had all our flowers out, but we had to replant some of them because the deers kept eating on our stuff. You know, that's that's a problem here because on any given morning when you wake up, there are a bunch of deer. And, I, you know, that's that's what's happened to my tulips. When I plant tulips, the deer come and dig up the bulbs. And you got to figure out some kind of way to keep the deer. There are all these remedies that they have to keep deer away. But then you're like, especially with, with tomatoes and stuff like that that you eat, mm-hmm. well, you don't want to eat that stuff, you know. I know. It's different for plants. But that's kind of scary. So they've eaten up your plants. What what, are you, what did you plant? Did you plant some begonias, some petunias? Well, all of those kind of things. You know, I don't be knowing. They just look pretty. Oh, <laughs> oh that's great. I don't be knowing. I just tell, tell John, look, just make it pretty. <laughs> Great. I gotta go. I gotta go get some myself and plant some myself. So that's something I'm planning to do. Hopefully this weekend. I know. Yeah. 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 So yeah. But the deers. What's wrong with that? I, I don't know, huh? I don't know. I'm so sick of them. I'm over them. I am just so over them. Really. I know. How was your week, though? What did you do? So I um, didn't really do a lot. I kind of, you know, some weekends I'm spending now down in Atwood Lake trying to do a little bit of social distancing down there, but trying to be on the lake, which is truly social distancing because nobody else is out there. Uh I'm doing a little bit of that. But what I've really been doing is being actively involved in doing interviews on healthcare disparities as it, as it is to COVID. Um, You know, I did a webinar yesterday with the urban league, Uh Dr. Tonya Farmer that we've had. and, And we talked about, you know, healthcare disparities from, you know, kidney disease, diabetes, hypertension, HIV, AIDS, and all that. So that was fun. And then I've been involved with the Lynx on their COVID preparedness team, trying to send out e-blasts every week to our members to tell them what to do to help uh, merge back into society and how to continue to protect themselves. And then been involved with a couple of museums in Ohio, uh, the Butler and the Canton Museum and helping them to devise a plan to open their museum back up. So, I mean, I have been really... Yeah, it seems in, like it. Not not only work, which we were talking about earlier, which I'm just getting slammed with, but in the evening I have to come and try to get 
you know, keep my, and, and the data changes every day when you talk yes. about statistics, when you're doing those kind of things, you got to be on top of your game, if you know what I mean. Yes. Well, you've been busy, so, but, but it's needed now. I've been, yeah, I've been busy. Yeah, and, and all your information is needed. I don't know if people are listening, but. <laughs> I don't know if people are listening either, and I'm hoping that they are because, you know, we were not, as we were talking just before we got on, we are not like New Zealand, which it appears they have eradicated COVID, the coronavirus, from their country. That's the first one. We're not there yet, and we're nowhere near there. So, folks, keep your mask on. That's it. Keep the mask on. And don't complain about it. I mean, you're saving each other. No. We're saving each other, right? Don't, you know, and I hear people complaining about, well, I don't, you know, if you see what I see when somebody's really sick with COVID, you'll realize that that's a small price to pay to be on a ventilator. That's it. Yeah. So I'm just, I'm hoping, you know, we just keep keep telling people, keep the word out and stuff like that. So, yeah. Okay. Well, that's what we'll do. So what is going on this week? I can't turn the television off. <laughs> Between my computer and my printer and my television. Now, you know, that's way too much input, Vicky. That's just way too much input. And then reading on my phone, news articles, there's got to be something psychological about all of that. I'm just inundated with media. I know, too much, too much. Oh, but have you been watching all the movies? I mean, I've never seen anything like this in my life. I know, all the protests, and not just... All over the world. Yes, not just here, all over the world. And then they're actually sitting down trying to do policies. That's important. Right. You know, writing well, stuff down, trying to get a plan, a, right? You gotta have a plan. You gotta, this just can't be <clears throat> running out and protesting. It's got to be a plan to change policy. And it seems like they're doing that. It really does. Yeah, I just read yesterday <clears throat> where I think it was at New York or one of the states passed this legislation. It's called 50A or something that has to do with policemen heretofore have been protected, you know, like that, they, that, that blue line, thin blue line or whatever, that they wouldn't, you know, you couldn't, you couldn't get any information on a policeman. And now in one of the states, I guess it's a state-by-state state thing, uh-huh. they're doing that so that you can get information whether it was a, he has, whether this cop has had a bad history, you know what I mean? Yes, yes. I think and I then, can... And then some states are eliminating are, are the chokehold or telling the, telling the, the, the police academies don't teach the young policemen anymore how to do chokeholds and how to do a lot of these things that have been literally killing people. I know. But did you see the memorial service and the funeral, how Al Sharpton, I was like, well, go ahead, Al Sharpton. I know. Pumped in the pulpit. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, he... I said, did I hear what I thought I heard? Yes. He bringing it home, right? Yes, yes. And I like how he was talking about wickedness in high places. Well, yeah, he can't, you know, he brought it home. He brought I it home. Reverend Al. I said, well, go ahead. Right. <laughs> Me too. I did too. Cause you know, sometimes Reverend Al can be plus minus, you know, right, right. <laughs> um, but at this memorial service, I felt that he really brought it home and telling it like it was and sending a message. He was really, truly the messenger. Yes, he was. Big time, big time. I'm really hoping, we'll see, I'm hoping that this will bring about change and not just a little something, something, and and then people go back to their regular, you know? I hope so. I think Bakari Sellers said it very aptly this morning. He said, I hope that, you know, there's going to be some some meat here, some some policy change as opposed to just nibbling around the edges and then everybody go back to where they were before. Right, right. So we can't have any nibbling around the edges. It's got to be some significant policy change and it's got to be enforced. Just, you know, I, I don't know. Time will tell. It's too early to tell what the effect of this is going to have. I know, I know. But time will tell. Like you said, time will definitely time will tell. tell. Yeah, time will tell. What's happening? You were saying that they were they were um, doing stuff in in Europe as well, or what? Yeah. So I'm always on the BBC, and I just happened to turn on the BBC this past weekend. And in Bristol, 
where my girlfriend lives, who's the Lord Lieutenant of Bristol, they were toppling the statue of Edward Colston into the river. And I've been to Bristol before, and Edward Colston was a major slave trader during his era in the 18th century. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, as the story ensues, you know, he, of course, he brought a lot of money to Bristol. And, you know, as a lot of the United States has similar histories with slaveholders and stuff like that. But it just kind of got, it got kind of got in, messed up in the mix. Well, then people realized, whoa. You know, here's a slave trader. And so with the movement, mm-hmm. they pulled the statue down and tossed it into the river. So roll around. How was it received by the administration? The mayor happens to be a biracial mixed young man. His mother is Jamaican. Okay. And his mother's British and his father's Jamaican. And, you know, no one condones violence. On this show, we don't condone violence and, you know, destroying property or anything like that for everybody out there, radio lamb. We don't condone that. But what he said was, you know, people wanted that statue retrieved from the bottom of the river. And he said, you know, we've got more things right now on our plate to deal with in terms of racial disparities and so forth. We'll bring it up. But right now, that's not top of our list. And I thought he handled it really well. You know, he says, I understand. I'm real, you know, we understand the sensitivity that people have. So it's not just that statue, but also King Leopold mm-hmm. in Belgium, mm-hmm. in Antwerp. There's a statue of King Leopold, and I didn't know this history until I was watching. You remember Anthony Bourdain, who did the um, yes the, the the shows on cooking and eating and stuff, and mm-hmm. he sadly committed suicide. He had this story. He was in the Congo doing a show and brought up the history of King Leopold from Belgium, who had a, a ton of atrocities, chopping people's hands off and stuff like that, you know, for not... Um, delivering whatever resources he wanted. So they toppled him, his statue, and the list goes on and on. They're looking at Cecil Rhodes in London and the Rhodes Scholar, but he had certainly some racist ideas and so forth. So I don't think they toppled his statue, but there was a buzz of people around it raising questions about whether that should stand, and also whether or not the name of Rhodes Scholar should be changed, which, you know, would be major. I mean, about wouldn't that be major? That would be major. So, uh, yeah, so the momentum is going around the world. Who knew that, that Mr. Floyd's death would create such a worldwide response, not just Europe, but in other countries, other continents as well? So we'll see. I just hope that the momentum will continue. And like you said, policy change. Yes. Not just something, uh, a flash in the pan. That's it. And so, yeah, they've been moving. I'm like, yeah, move the statues. They're doing that here. They did the um, Christopher Columbus statue. It was torn down. They said it was torn down in Richmond. And another one was beheaded in Boston. But I'm saying, look, take all those monuments and all that kind of stuff and put it in the museum, including the Confederate flag. Put it in the museum. Yes. Interested in coming to look at Robert E. Lee? They can go see it. Robert E. Lee, the governor took down Robert E. Lee. And if you're interested in going to see Robert E. Lee, go over to the Confederate Museum and have a nice day. That's how I look at it. Yeah, put it in the museum. Yeah, we spend too much time, people screaming and hollering on Confederate flag. Put it up. That's past. Right. That's past. Right. Right. We need, we need to do more than just with the symbols. Right. That's we it. we got to do more than just the symbols. It's got to be deeper down than just getting rid of the Confederate flag or getting rid of the statues. It's got to be something deeper down that needs to change as opposed to taking a statue down or having somebody to not throw up a confederate flag is the way I see it. And they can put it in the museum so we won't see that. But then, okay, what about the policies that got people looting in the first place? And that's the part people don't get. People say, oh, we shouldn't be looting in property. Yeah, but you shouldn't be killing somebody, putting your knee on their neck. I mean, people are speaking up about the looting and all of that. And again, I don't condone violence or, you know, anything like that. But my response is, well, where was your outrage when all of these individuals have gotten killed at the hands of, for example, law enforcement, which I'm not saying anything out of school. That's what they're saying on the news. And 
I have a mm-hmm. friend who's a lawyer in um, Oakland, and that's one of his main is to, to, to defend, uh, you know, to be the lawyer for individuals who have died at the hands of law enforcement. So there's a culture. And, mm-hmm. and let me add, it's not just white police, because if mm-hmm. you look at what happened in Atlanta, did you see what yeah. happened? Those were black policemen mm-hmm. That, mm-hmm. that snatched those kids out of the car and scared them to death. They were on television uh, last week. Mm-hmm. And and the guys, the guys that were involved with the Minnesota, one was a mom, which I know the moms, I think they're from like Cambodia. Okay. One was a mom. The other young man, I believe, was an African-American or mixed. Mm-hmm. And so it's a culture. It's a culture. you got to mm-hmm. change the culture. So there's a, a lot of work that, that needs to be done. And then they wouldn't tell on each other. That's you it. Know, now their lawyer came on the other night. And it was so interesting. He, The defense that he's using, well, nobody else nobody else did anything. Did you hear that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. First of all, mm-hmm. who's going to run up on some policemen doing anything? Right. I mean, I, I get that they were his neck was on there but i mean you're running up against some men as a lay person with guns you'll end up with somebody on your neck too it just that's and, but they were screaming they would tell him look he's he can't breathe so they had an audience telling the dude right and he didn't do anything so the right. key is this, this, this is going to be interesting how this how this plays out but it's got to be you know we got to start while the momentum is there to try to get some policy changes like they're doing with that 50A law um, about police and to stop the chokeholds and all the rest, get some tangibles. Yes, yes. Tangibles. That's it, tangibles. We'll bring some good things to the table that's happening, doing a little good in the neighborhood. And I ran across yeah. this here, right here in Youngstown. A businessman donates tablets to encourage reading in the Youngstown City School District schools. Bilal, I think that's his name, Bilal worked with the Youngstown City Schools Chief of Family Engagement to identify 20 kindergarten through third grade scholars throughout the district to receive the tablets. The article, this was reported by WKBN, and it says the coronavirus changed the way some businesses serve customers, but it hasn't altered Colleen Bala's commitment to education. Bala said that even though everything was shut down, preventing this year's bridge program, and bridge means barbershop reading initiative, developing growth in education. That's what bridge means. It was prevented from launching. He still wanted to be able to get some type of learning tools in some kids' hands. And so the owner of Excalibur Barber Grooming Lounge and the founder of the Bridge Barbers Program, he said that he was saddened because in the barbershop we had to remove all of the books because of the COVID-19. So that's when he decided to provide the Amazon Fire Tablets and he contacted the CEO of the Youngstown City Schools about doing that. His name is Justin Jennings and so that's what happened. The Bridge Program is a program that they do every year, and it's in its third year. And so this time he decided to, you know, give these audible tablets so that the people can, you know, the little kids can download their favorite books. It can be interactive, and then they can at least still continue to read. And so that bridge program, it aims to encourage young people to read. It's an initiative among urban barbers to help emphasize the importance of youth reaching and maintaining their appropriate reading level by third grade. And so part of the program's goal is to address the so-called summer slide when some scholars suffer learning loss during the summer months. And so the CEO Jennings is grateful that Bilal wants to continue to play a role in improving young people's reading skills. And so the CEO Jennings, he said, literacy continues to be an emphasis for us at UCSD. Literacy, which includes reading, writing, comprehension, and fluency, provides the foundation for everything else. We're so thankful for Mr. Bilal's contribution He's truly a business and community leader who recognized the importance 
of quality education and participates in helping our school district provide it. We appreciate that and we appreciate him. And so, yeah, they are going to um, distribute these these tablets. They're going to, I guess, identify Great. 20 kindergarten folks through third grade. Great. That's going to be, I guess they're going to set you know, the date soon. Frankie Halfager is doing a little good in the neighborhood. Big time. Because I always wondered with all the schools, you know, shutting down so early and then the parents, a lot of parents can't, they can't do geometry and stuff like that with their kids. Exactly. And you know what I I have said, there's going to be, when they go back to school, there's going to be a divide between the kids who had access to computers and all of the technology and the kids that did not. Because they're going to be behind. They're going to be way behind uh, when they come back to school face-to-face because these other kids have gone on, parents have computers and this, that, and the other. Because I've always felt like, well, somebody should have an initiative to give out, to do what he's doing, but uh, on a larger scale, some big corporation, Mm -hmm. because these kids don't don't have this, and there's going to be a huge divide. Oh, big time. So kudos to him. Kudos to him. We always give a tip, a health tip, and I thought it would be interesting because we need to really think about, even though we are concentrating on COVID-19, cancer still here, what, heart disease, all of these, and these are underlying conditions. It hasn't gone away, and these are underlying health conditions. And so this article is the latest in cancer prevention move more, ditch beer, and bacon. And you can find this on Vikido Fitness, our website. It was written by Health Day News. And it says, the latest cancer prevention guidelines may change your typical backyard barbecue. Gone are the hot dogs and booze. In are veggie kebabs and maybe a swim or some badminton. The American Cancer Society's New cancer prevention recommendations suggest, among other things, adding more physical activity to your days. About 20 minutes a day is the minimum, but 40 minutes or more daily is even better. The new guidelines also add emphasis on avoiding unhealthy foods, including red and processed meats, refined grains, and alcohol. Now, Dr. Laura Makaroff The new recommendations, she said that the new recommendations really increase emphasis on a few key areas. That is including healthy weight and diet, physical activity, and avoiding or limiting alcohol. And she is the Senior Vice President of Prevention and Early Detection for the American Cancer Society, ACS. These factors accounted for up to 18% of cancer cases and 16% of cancer deaths in the United States, according to the new report. Along with recommendations for individual lifestyle practices, the ACS also included guidance for communities to take action. Makarov said, in addition to recommendations for individual choices, ACS recognizes that Making healthy choices can be challenging for many people. We need, this is what she said, we need to reduce barriers to living well and achieving a healthy lifestyle, and that will require working collaboratively at all levels to develop and implement policies to ensure access to healthy foods and opportunities for exercise. The biggest challenges If we go down to the guidelines, the biggest challenges and the biggest changes to the guidelines, I should say, that are written include when it comes to physical activity in line with the U.S. government recommendations, the ACS, which is American Cancer Society guidelines, say Americans should get between 150 and 300 minutes of moderate physical activity each week. If you up your activity level to vigorous activity, the ACS advises 75 to 150 minutes a week. When it comes to alcohol, the ACS says your best bet is to skip alcohol 
altogether. If you choose to drink, limit your alcohol consumption to one drink a day for women or two a day for men. When it comes to diet, the guidelines recommend not eating or limiting foods such as red or processed meats, sugar-sweetened beverages, refined grains, and other highly processed foods. The ACS encourages a diet full of variety of healthy foods, particularly 2.5 to 3 cups of vegetables and 1.5 to 2 cups of fruits each day. The ACS also recommends incorporating legumes and whole grains in your diet. Along with these changes, the ACS also reconfirmed the importance of maintaining a healthy body weight. Nearly 11% of cancers in women and 5% in men have been linked to being overweight or obese. Only cigarette smoking accounts for a higher percentage of cancer, the guidelines said. Some cancers linked to excess weight include breast, ovary, kidney, esophagus, colon, liver, gallbladder, pancreas. Talio, who's a registered dietitian, says there is no magic pill for preventing cancer. People say that even though they're not eating all not eating all their vegetables, they're taking a supplement. But that's not the same. You have to eat well to get the right nutrients. Have a variety of vegetables and fruits in all different colors. Concentrate on the vegetables. And so the new ACS guidelines are consistent with other government and major health organization um, recommendations for preventing heart disease and diabetes. And so the new guidelines were published just recently, June 9th, in CA, a cancer journal for clinicians. So there it is. Good. That's great. There it is. So what's the latest, D? Well, you know, I, I found this article in um, the New York Times, and the world is reopening. And, you know, we all know that a lot of this has to do with the economies and so forth. But like here in the United States, we haven't even reached the federal guidelines in terms of numbers of patients that are popping up that shouldn't be popping up. Well, the world is reopening despite skyrocketing coronavirus. And this article goes on to talk about the number of infections is rising faster than ever, but many countries have decided that this is the moment to ease lockdown restrictions. So two months ago when there were roughly... One million confirmed coronavirus cases and the primal politics of survival was sweeping the world. Shutting down was the order of the day. But this week, and this article came out yesterday, the number of cases soared past 7 million with 136,000 new infections detected on last Sunday alone, the highest single-day total since the pandemic began. The order of the day, reopening. Terrified after watching economies built over the course of decades hollow out in a matter of weeks, countries seem to be saying, in effect, enough. For health officials who have been watching the virus with alarm as it began claiming a foothold in continent after continent, it's a very dizzying moment. This is not the time for any country to take its foot off the pedal, said Mr. Adenum, who is the Director General of the World Health Organization. Mm -hmm. He warned at a news conference in Geneva that this crisis is far from being over. So infection rates have hit hardest in cities in the United States, and, and although infection rates in the hardest-hit cities in the United States and Europe may have slowed, the virus remains deeply woven into the fabric of the world. In the absence of a vaccine or even effective treatments, the only proven strategy against the coronavirus has been social distancing, limiting human contact. And cities around the world have done just that, reaping the benefits as new infections dwindle mm -hmm. and then gingerly lifting moving restrictions. But this isn't enough, and it's not simple. In the longer term, as outbreaks wax and wane, public health officials say there might need to be a period of repeated closings and openings. And that's what Governor DeWine has said he's going to do here. You know, there are all kinds of spies out here in Ohio looking around to see, and he's, the governor here has told people they're gonna, he's going to yank their food and liquor licenses. So amid economic pain, unlike anything that we've seen in generations, there simply may not be the same political will or even desire to shut things down. 
And while the public largely went along with the restrictions, well, it seems that now they're sort of changing their minds or deciding enough is enough. So the virus itself is certainly anything but accommodating. It is now spreading exponentially in parts of the developing world where fragile health systems may soon be overwhelmed if the numbers continue to spike. Dr. Fauci gave a grim assessment the other day when he said that COVID-19 was his worst nightmare and a warning, he said, in a period of four months it has devastated the whole world. It's true, and it's not over. I know. Of 136,000 new cases, those new countries that have been hard hit now are India, and we were just waiting for this, India, Mexico, Brazil, mm. South Africa, and the Pan-American Health Organization on Tuesday painted a dire picture for Latin America and the Caribbean. And so if you see pictures, which are in the New York Times of Brazil, Brazil is getting super hard hit, and Mexico. It's kind of like we, the way we were kind of like in, um, in the late March, when we had in here in Mahoney County almost 200 patients in the hospital mm-hmm. on, any, on, on one day of COVID patients. I know. Um, that's what we're seeing in places like Brazil and Mexico. So, you know, I don't know what the answer is um, in, 24, in, the, in just 24 hours, India reported 10,000 new cases. And, you know, we always said, what would happen mm-hmm. to COVID infections in areas where their health infrastructure was bad? Mm-hmm. And now we see. And Latin America and places like Peru and Bolivia, and like I mentioned, Brazil and Nicaragua, these infections are soaring. So stay tuned. And we also always said what happened then, what would happen on the continent of Africa? Mm-hmm. Well, South Africa health officials recorded more than half of the country's current cases in the past two weeks alone with 51,000 confirmed cases. It has the most in Africa. So it's dire. I know. I know. It's dire. You know, mm-hmm. people talk about this concept of, well, okay, here's something I, I need to talk about just a second. People mm-hmm. go, well, you know, maybe everybody should just kind of like drop all this, stay at home, and just have everybody together so we can get herd immunity, mm-hmm. meaning that people can develop antibodies against an infection. Mm-hmm. Kind of like, you know, there's herd immunity. You know, most of the people my age have herd immunity against measles and chicken pox and all, although I had chicken pox, but still, you know, they had it, but you develop antibodies. Mm-hmm. So here's the deal with that. In order to have herd immunity, you have to have about 80 to 85, maybe even 90% of the, of the population infected. So if you have 85 to 90% of the population infected, not everybody's going to have an asymptomatic case. So the question becomes, how many deaths are you willing to accept mm. to get to herd immunity, including your own? That's it. <laughs> that's right. They never okay. think. They never think about their own stuff. That's that's what kills me. Or your or your mother, mm-hmm. mother or your child. So if you're willing to drop all that and just run on out there and, and say, let's just try to see how herd immunity. Think of all the deaths that are going to occur. And so, okay, so then are we willing to accept? We've already had over 100,000 deaths here in the United States and millions around the world. Are we willing to almost wipe out the population? So people have to ask themselves that question. And, and, and like I said, including your own death. Right. That's the important thing. Because we, what kills me is that we have all these people talking about, yeah, well, you know, we, we don't have that many deaths yet and, and this and that. And they say we we're going to have way more because we were in lockdown, silly. Right. <laughs> That's why. That's part of that, don't you understand? I mean, <laughs> it's kind of like they put up the picture of the fence. And the way you stop the virus is you take some of the poles out of the fence. Because it's not going to jump from one fence to the other. A parasite has to have something to jump to. Right. And so when you when you prevent them from going, you know, you block the, you keep social distancing. The droplets with the virus can't reach the other person. Those are the things that you do to help that. To right. That. Right. Right. And so with you doing that, that will prevent more infection. So that'll be less infection and right. less death but people aren't getting that they're saying well you know they said it was going to no. be all this many deaths and it's not no food because you they forced you to stay home right <laughs> there's a reason why the, the curve is flattening there's a reason why we're seeing fewer cases because you did what the people told you
you to do. Right. You know, but, you know, people have decided, well, we're going to do whatever we want to do. Well, I'm afraid, and, and like, your know, honey sweet, we would tell you all, we're tired. Mm-hmm. We're tired. And the thought of going back to where we were with the patients coming in the hospital like we were, like we had six weeks or so or two months ago, mm. is frightening to me. I just don't know how we could do it. Doctors and nurses and, and all of us, respiratory therapists, we are absolutely wiped out. And to think that some bozos would go out there mm-hmm. and create a situation where there's going to be a resurgence of this and then they have to shut everything down again, what's the point? I know. It was one interesting, one other quick comment, if I may. Um, I did a webinar the other night with a woman who lives in Taiwan. She's a link. Mm-hmm. lives in Taiwan. And she came on and gave this thing about how, you know, the Taiwanese, too, they pretty much uh, have shut it down there. And that's 81 miles from China. But she gave a very interesting observation, which I thought was kind of interesting. She said, you know, mm-hmm. the Taiwanese are kind of like the Chinese. When you tell them to do something, they're going to do it. Like in China, when they said, you all going to stay home, the Chinese police came around. They were dragging people out. <laughs> I so the Taiwanese have that kind of mentality of when you say stay home, they stay home. In the United States, when you say stay home, that means go out. I know, right? We're not used to saying people telling us no. Because no means our rights and amendments and constitutional rights and all that have been. Uh, so you've got to get past you got to look at the public health situation versus what your rights are. And you don't have a right to put my life at jeopardy. It's the way I feel. There it is. That's how I feel. So, yeah. I feel like I'm preaching. Well, <laughs> I, I'm glad you... It's true. I mean... I'm glad you're doing it. I want to put some nice clothes on to wear to work. You know, I'm tired of wearing scrubs. I'm tired of having a mask on. I'm, we're just tired. There's no other way to explain it. And the thought of... One weekend, a couple of weekends, all eight of us were in the hospital working. We didn't have a day off for like two weeks because mm. everybody's just trying to take care of COVID patients. And remember, there's a lot of other infectious disease cases out there. Mm-hmm. So the thought of this is just, it's just frightening. So, I don't know. And that goes for your husband, your honey sweet too, because every patient I see, he was right behind me. Mm-hmm. And so that's why when people say stupid stuff, it irritates me. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Vicki Haywood-Doe. I just wanted to break in for a quick second and introduce to you the sponsor and creator of this show. It's the company I own, Haywood-Doe Consulting Co., doing business as Vicki Doe Fitness. We are a health and wellness consulting company that specializes in designing and implementing medically integrated applied exercise physiology-based fitness wellness programs, initiatives, events, health promotion, and health education for special populations such as older folks, children, adolescents, overweight and obese individuals, cardiac rehab, women's health, and those who have chronic diseases. We have a team and network of healthcare professionals based out of Northeast Ohio, and we've worked with many companies, schools, churches, and organizations. If your goal is to transform your life by taking a holistic approach to living a life of health and total well-being, get in touch with us at info at To find out more about our own site and online programs and services, go to vikidofitness.com. And now back to the show. We are looking at and talking about more articles, and our topic today is what's new, Hot Topics number 56. This article, it was written in the New York Times, and it says, what's the future of group exercise classes? In February and March, 112 people were infected with the covid 19 virus in South Korea because of the Zumba classes. And so we were just talking about that. D, how how are we going to be doing and conducting these type of classes, you know, with right. COVID still around? 
It says during 24 days in February and March, 112 people were infected with the COVID-19 virus in South Korea after um, participating in or associating with participants in Zumba classes, according to a sobering new epidemiological study, and it was published in Emerging Infectious Diseases. The study, which traces the start of the illness cluster back to a one-day instructor workshop held in mid-February, raises crucial questions about the risk of infection during group exercise classes and whether and how such workouts might be made safer. Across the country, fitness facilities are reopening now after lengthy closures because of the coronavirus, prompting some predictable concerns among members about safety. Group exercise classes, by their nature, could present unique and daunting challenges to infection control as the new South Korean investigation suggests. In that study, epidemiologists affiliated with Dancock University, the College of Medicine in Chanan, they became aware in the late February of a new confirmed coronavirus case in Chanan, a populous city about 50 miles south of Seoul, the nation's capital. By tracing that person's contacts and following up on other newly confirmed cases in the city, the researchers discovered that the common thread connecting the infections was Zumba, popular in South Korea. These these fast-paced dance classes are prolonged, lasting for close to an hour, often crowded, and punctuated by instructors' shouts and participants' heavy breathing. Digging further, the scientists tracked the earliest coronavirus cases to a Zumba instructor training course held on February 15th in Chunan. Of the 27 newly minted Zumba teachers attending, eight later tested positive. But in the meantime, they taught classes without wearing masks and in a few instances while coughing within about a week. of I know within about a week of participating, 54 of their 217 students tested positive for a what they call attack rate of about 25 percent. Now, an attack rate represents the percentage of people exposed who become infected. Soon afterward, more than a dozen of the students and teachers, family, friends, and acquaintances also tested positive. All told, 112 cases were traced to indoor dance classes at 12 different gyms. Most of the resulting illnesses were not severe, but some led to pneumonia. Now, Dr. Zhang Yang Ri, I think, a professor of Dancock University College of Medicine and senior author of the new study, said it is thought that hyperventilation caused by severe exercise in a confined space may be the reason for the extremely high attack rate. Remember? Most definitely. Yes. But if those findings sound concerning, The data did contain some bright spots. The epidemiologists uncovered zero cases resulting from classes with fewer than five students per session or from low-intensity yoga or Pilates classes, even if they were taught by an infected instructor. Okay. Overall, the Hmm. study offers both cautions and guidance for anyone considering an in-person return to dance, yoga, boot camp, or similar group exercise classes. Both the authors and other experts agree. Exercising in a gym will make you vulnerable to infectious disease, Dr. Reese says. By limiting class sizes and sticking with low-intensity exercise, which entails little heavy respiration, might help to lessen viral transmission. Proper air circulation also is essential, says Lindsay Marr, a professor of civil and environmental engineering at Virginia Tech University who studies airflow. 
she was not involved with the South Korean study, but read it at my request. And this is what she says. I have actually thought about this issue a lot, she says, because I am an avid CrossFitter and I want to get back to my routine. But I think indoor exercise classes can be conducted safely only if there is sufficient ventilation with outdoor air, not recirculated air. To reduce infection rates from airborne virus particles, she says, the current recommendation for airflow calls for about 10 liters of outdoor air per second per person in the room. In practice, the more people in an exercise class, the more outside air needs to be flowing in and out. If you are returning to the gym or workout studio, ask your facilities manager about their ventilation system. If the air conditioning system does not draw in air from outside, request that the staff open all available windows and doors. Yeah, it keeps going on to talk about the importance of social distancing remains necessary, which means class sizes almost certainly will need to be smaller than they might have been in the past. Breathing heavily in small place, a small space provides ideal conditions for viral spread. Mask or other facial coverages or coverings are likely to be required during classes depending on local regulations or facility rules and should be encouraged everywhere. And that's what Dr. Andragd says. Moving group classes outside too is possible and practical, you know, and so it will bolster the natural airflow, widen interpersonal spacing and drench the class in sunlight, but avoid outdoor classes if they're conducted between high walls or buildings since these boardwalks prevent the breeze from dispersing people's expired breath. So that's what I've always said, D. Even when I would see people on the, they would be on Zoom and they'll be, you know, exercising together to get their class at home you know, following them. And I used to always say, shoot, you still got two or three people and, and no mask on and you you marching and jogging and doing all that stuff. Right. Your air is going to, your your breath, your hyperventilating breath your will be. That right. It becomes airborne instead of droplets. Exactly. Yeah, it becomes airborne instead of droplets. Yeah, we have to, it's a lot to think about now, you know. Definitely. Yeah, to the point where you, it seemed like you can't do nothing but sit on your. your <laughs> I know, right? Sit on your couch. <laughs> I know. But we can't do that, so we just got to no, figure it out. But we can't. We can. We can still exercise with. I mean, we can exercise alone. You know, there are all these things on television or online. There shouldn't be any excuse and online. You can go buy a ball and some weights. That's not that expensive, you know. And you can follow us. You can sign up for our training yeah. program, step-by-step exactly. weight loss boot camp. Yes, and do all right. that. Yes. No, no excuse. No excuse. No excuse. D, finish with our last article with the WHO. You were talking about that. Yes, yes. The man whose name I cannot pronounce, <laughs> World Health Organization, issues new guidance on face masks, advising people wear them in places where social distancing is difficult or if you're over the age of 60. World Health Organization came out with this this past week, and in a press briefing Friday, the World Health Organization said everyone in areas with community transmission should wear face masks where social distancing isn't possible to prevent the spread of the coronavirus. WHO also advised that in areas of community transmission, everyone who's over 60 or has underlying health conditions, and that would be hypertension, diabetes, kidney disease, obesity are the top ones, should wear a medical mask in spaces where social distancing is difficult. All healthcare workers in areas with widespread transmission should also wear medical masks, not just those working with coronavirus patients the World Health Organization said. And WHO reaffirmed that face masks alone cannot prevent the spread of coronavirus. 
if there are confirmed cases of the coronavirus in your community, you've got to wear a fabric mask. And you can all go online. The, the Surgeon General did a, a taping, a sort of a little video, sort okay. of to say, of okay. face masks and how you should make them and how you should wear them. Um, June the 5th, WHO Director General Adhonam also announced revised guidelines on who should be wearing medical uh, face masks in communities and also in overcrowded places like stores, buses, trains, and planes. The World Health Organization now recommends medical masks, as, as I mentioned before, for all those people as above. Um, and particularly, there's new data that's coming out now about, you know, the underlying conditions that are most prevalent in patients who are infected with coronavirus. And overwhelmingly, the thread that runs through is hypertension. Okay. I thought I should just add that. Hypertension. Mm. Be very careful if you're hypertensive. Previously, mm-hmm. World, Health Organiza- World Health Organization, WHO, recommended that only health care workers people infected with the coronavirus and their caregivers wear medical masks. But following this uh, briefing that he did last week, they've changed their stance to include a lot more people. And I'm glad he has, because if you just limit it to that, and we know, and we know that there are a lot of asymptomatic carriers. And some of the benefit is we know that the, the cloth masks, are certainly not as good as an N95. We don't expect people to wear those. We want those preserved for those people working in healthcare, or those people that you know, or essential workers that are high risk that are working in the community. But surgical masks, and we know that they're not surgical masks, but it it almost boils down to any mask is better than no mask. Right. And that's kind of what I tell people. You know, they say, "Well, you know, I don't have a surgical mask. It's not no any mask." It's better than no mask. That's it. So that's the approach that everyone should take on this. So I'm glad that, that they have done that. But, Vicki, I want to dial back to one thing that you said about the exercise class. And I want to make sure that I read it and heard it. Mm-hmm. Did you say that people weren't infected even if they had a teacher that was infected? Right. Yeah. Let me go back. Yes. E. Yeah. So the few findings, it says the data had some bright spots. But the only reason is that the classes were fewer than five students per session or from low intensity. So they had to do low intensity yoga or Pilates class, Uh even if they were taught Uh by an infected instructor. Yeah, so it's that breathing. I always said that when people, this is way, this is way early when people like jogging and stuff. I mean, that's cool if you out in the air we didn't talk about this we can touch on it next week but you know people have to understand when people are out there protesting and you don't have a mask on everybody's screaming and shouting and yelling that's it that's it we just gotta um just kind of use your common sense you know and just know that like you said but one thing I will have to say about the protesters at least I was very encouraged that a lot of them had their mask on. A lot of them had their yeah, mask on. Me too. I saw that as well. Yeah. So that's a good thing, right? <laughs> that's a very good thing. And remember too, though, as you know, another reason to wear your mask is that when they're spraying all these chemical irritants, they cause people to cough. Oh, I know. And coughing, you know, is certainly going to do things to spread the virus more effectively. So, you know, just as you know, I was just thinking. Our mantra on this show is always know your numbers. Our mantra should be right now for the time being, wear your mask. That's it. That's it. That's what we're going to say, D. Wear your mask. Wear your mask. Period. Yeah, wear your mask. <laughs> D, we are doing our social distancing and taping our show in different places, but it's turning out okay, right, D? <laughs> it is. It is. It actually is. Yeah. This ends our show, D. So, you know, you always give us some tips that we should think about. So you have any tips this time? Well, just like we said, wear your mask and understand that the virus is still out there, that in some areas and even in some places here in the United States, for example, in some of the southern areas like North Carolina, we're seeing an uptick. Mm-hmm. So do not get complacent with, you know, when you hear that the, the curve is flattening. It is, but that's because 
you guys have been doing what we've asked you to do, quarantining and social distancing. Mm-hmm. Don't get complacent. Wear your mask. I will say that as well. Wear your mask and then make sure you practice self-love and eat plenty of fruits and vegetables. Yeah. Get some exercise, walking in the park. Think about reframing from those cookies and sugary drinks. Yeah. <laughs> because. All of the above. Right. Because we. It's summertime now. You might want to be, you might want to be bikini ready. So you're going to have to get rid of those COVID-15. Look, when we were stuck in the house, for three months, I said, <laughs> to hell with a uh, bikini ready. <laughs> I thought I'd throw that out there for somebody to think they might be bikini ready. We got to first get rid of that COVID-20. So, <laughs> so you might want to dial back and listen to Dr. Doe's recommendation of fruits and vegetables. Now it's time to get serious about your eating. Yes, it is. So, Yes, it is. And as always, for more information, go to our website, www.vikidofitness.com. And remember, if you have any questions, comments, or just something to say, tweet us, email us, go on Facebook, and share with us your thoughts. You've been listening to It's All About Health and Fitness with Dr. Vicki Hayward-Doe and Dr. Virginia Banks-Bright. Vicki Doe is owner of Vicki Doe Fitness, a multimedia health and wellness forum, a place to discuss, learn, and participate in healthy living. You can get in touch with Vicki by email at info at vickidofitness.com.